What's up, everybody? Welcome to UFC Roundup. I'm Paul Felder. Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa. And guys, we got a lot to talk about. We got 292 in the books this past weekend in Boston. We got UFC Singapore coming up, Korean Zombie and Max Holloway, two absolute legends of the game. But more importantly, before we even go any further, Michael, I just want to announce that me and you will be working the desk together. Oh, dude. In a couple of sandwiches in France, me and you. I mean, come on. This is the baguette. Home of the baguette. A little glass of wine, a couple of cigarettes, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna smoke some cigs, dude. I'm on I'm on honeymoon mode, so screw it. Let's do it. Let's go, man. As our man Reach, you would say some lung snacks. Lung snacks, some baguettes. When we were there the last time, Richie was absolutely loving the baguettes. He wasn't having the lung snacks. I don't want to. I don't want to take that. <laughs> the baguettes. All right, Michael. Real quick, let's just get right into this. Um, yeah. We have a new bantamweight champion of the world, yeah. and Boston was interesting for me because it was late, and I was yeah. trying my damnedest to stay freaking awake. You were working, so yeah. you had to be awake. Thank yeah. God. But a lot of decisions, a lot of good fights, competitive fights. And then, of course, the right hand lands. O'Malley gets it done. Um, Man, we said it, Michael. We said that he has the ability to do it. But if he's going to do it, it's got to be early. He must have heard us, Michael, because he went. He must must be watching Roundup. I'm going to ask him. Sean. Should he sponsor us? Have a sugar show? Yeah. Uh, UFC Roundup presented by Sugar Show? Dude, come on. My have to. We might have to kick Poirier's hot sauce out of the mix and bring in I the sugar keep, show. Keep going, keep going. I mean, it, there's a few things when I look at the fight, and I don't want to make excuses for Aljamain Sterling, but there's one thing I noticed. When he got in the octagon, he just didn't look as shredded. Like, usually, Wayne Day, he's obviously cut up. He just looked a little bloated. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I think the back-to-back weight cuts – Maybe got to him a little bit. I think that once he got a taste of a takedown entry in round one, I think he thought he could just go out there and do it again. And that's when the mauling was going to ensue. And it just didn't happen that way. Sean, just the picture perfect, step back, right hand, on the chin. I mean, Aljamain goes face down. Um, some people questioned the stoppage, thought it was a little early. I myself did, but I will say this. I don't think it would have got much better. I think that yeah, I think that maybe if that's a case where Aljamain wants to feel like he truly went out on his shield, then he deserves that. But I just don't think it would have got that much better, man. It was it was Sean was picking his shots. You could tell Aljamain was going in and out of consciousness. And we have a new bantamweight champ. It's a new era. It's so crazy, you know. To me, I will always consider Aljamain Sterling to be the best band weight of all time. But we're entering an era now where Sean O'Malley, the fact that the UFC put the finish on YouTube, they put the second round and beyond on YouTube immediately after the fight shows they are trying to pump this guy. They are trying to strap a rocket ship to his back and send him to the moon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, he's got it. I mean, I recognize that, right? We all recognize that. And if he can go out there and start landing shots like that against guys like Alderman, yeah, did he rush things? He rushed to get in there and close that distance bad. I mean, I think Alderman looks at that and he goes, God damn it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I know that I can't rush like that. He's a good enough striker to know that you you can't just start coming in. Sean's so no. good at that back. And you saw in all the 
all the clips, all the previews. I mean, he works that all the time. Sean knows guys are going to try to close the distance yes. on us. But how eerie was it as well, before we move on, the comparison to Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo, another moment where they th this brash young guy who's been talking and talking and talking, and everybody's been saying, oh, he's been spoon-fed, he's been spoon-fed, finally goes out there and shuts up all the critics. This was his moment. You know, and here's the other thing, too. Up until this fight, I don't think Sean O'Malley had a win over anybody on the UFC roster aside from Peter Jan. Yeah. And while people were using that as a point of emphasis, especially uh, sports bettors, saw a lot of people talking about that online. The guy beat Peter Jan, and he beat him in a tough fight, controversial fight at that. But when I went back and studied the film, I do think that Sean O'Malley won that fight. So even though you beat a bunch of guys that aren't here anymore, the fact that your fight before beating Aljamain Sterling was an absolute war with Peter Jan. Writings on the wall that the guy could be champion. I just didn't yeah. think it would be then. I didn't think Saturday night would be his night. I thought that Aljamain is going to do his thing. He's going to move up and he's going to move on. And we yeah. see O'Malley get the title thereafter. But he pulled it off. And I also want to give a shout out to Tim Welch, his coach. I trained with Tim years ago, 13, 12, 13 years ago. Um, and I feel like Tim Welch could become, I, I, I'd like to know the stat on youngest head coach of a UFC champion. Because Tim yeah, Welch is like 32, 33 years yeah, old. Yeah. And he's he has coached Sean his whole career. So I'd be interested to know what the stat is on Tim Welch being the youngest first UFC championship coach. So congrats to him as well. Yeah, big congrats. You know, those guys have been um, so tight for so long. And it's good yeah. to see that kind of two young guys on the way up, living in apartments together when they were young. And, talk, you know, you watch the countdowns and all that kind of stuff. Talking about the crazy neighbors and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. John and, and um let's talk about the domination that happened as well one main event um, bro she's dominant dude yeah and we thought John was gonna pull this one off right she's gonna yeah. get it done just because of the way that she did it she's too yeah. good everywhere yeah you, you want to stand for a little bit she can stand for a little bit but she's she's her wrestling her just MMA overall game at this point Second to none. I hate to use comparisons. Like, you know, we've compared, you know, I've compared Corey Sanhagen to Dominic Cruz, you know, and, and and it's 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 almost like a cheap way out of explaining how good somebody is. But I can't help it in this instance, but to compare Jean Wei Lee to Valentina Shevchenko. There was a, a long time where I looked at her as the most complete fighter in the UFC and I still think Valentina is one of the most complete fighters in the UFC male or female she can absolutely do it all <sighs> Jean Wei Lee I feel like is a step above that yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that in a sense that Jean Wei Lee would go beat her in a fight there are two different weight classes maybe someday down the road but I feel like it's like Valentina 2.0 I mean the kickboxing's there the wrestling's there now she's showing the jujitsu the work with Josh Hinger's paying off uh, you know, she brings John Wood in as a corner and John Wood to me is one of the best female MMA coaches out there. I mean, he's, he's got a huge stable of girls. He knows how to coach them and, and for them to bring for, for her team to bring him in shows that they're very observant of that. So yeah. just complete domination. She stood with her. She traded, she used the wrestling. The timing was good. I loved the passing and for Lemos to hang in there. 
I feel like Jean Wei Lee opened the door so many times for her to leave that fight. Like, hey, here's the door. I'm showing you the way out if you want to go. I know. Amanda Lomos wouldn't go. She stayed in the fight. I couldn't believe it. I was watching with a couple friends here. I was like, dude, she's going to finish her. She's got, and it just, toughness, man. Toughness on display for for Lomos. But just, Jean Wei Lee is, she's pretty ridiculous. Dude, John Wood even said between rounds, between rounds, I think, Two and three, he was like, "Hey, round three, you're gonna finish her. Go out there yeah. and get a finish." And it's like, <laughs> Amanda nope. Lemo, she didn't, she didn't get the memo. Yeah, she, she, uh, she didn't sign up for that uh, mailing nope. list. Oh, Not no. at all. Um, other talking points for two ninety two before we move on. Uh, I think we're gonna talk. Morgan, am I right? We're gonna talk. Post your fan questions first of all. We we'll see there. Yeah. Ian Gary was another fight on the card. You know what? Let's just go off the cuff and let's talk about Ian Gary. So I'll right. leave the dance on this one. Yeah, go ahead. Right off the top, I want to talk about Ian Gary versus Daniel Rodriguez. I loved the pre-fight Ian Gary. We saw that fight. He was kind of talking about what D Rod does well, his skills, and then it would turn into the brash. Like I'm going to knock him out. This is how I'm going to do it. I got a plan. This and that, and that's great. What I don't like from anybody in this sport is going at the families. Mm-hmm. I, I I just don't like, like, look, I don't like, Ian said, or not Ian, Neil Magny said something funky. Okay, he was a little funky, a little, yeah, not, not the most tasteful thing to say. But nonetheless, you don't know what's going on in Neil Magny's life with him, his kids, things like that. And so for Ian, I feel like he's trying to turn all the fans against Neil. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that. And it's like, now you're transitioning into saying a lot of the same things Connor does. You're taking his lines word for word, you know. You'll shut no. the f- up and you'll do nothing. Like, come on. You know what? What you should have done is you should have said, you should have disregarded what Neil said. Saved that for after the fight. Going into the fight, you should have been like, I'm going in there to fight the all-time winningest welterweight of all time, the guy that has GSP surpassed in records. I'm going in there to fight one of the best welterweights. You build him up, and then you talk about how you're going to dismantle him, and you're going to beat him, and you're going to knock him out the eight-minute mark, and you say all that stuff thereafter. Then you get into the other stuff with what Neil said in the post-fight thereafter. I just didn't like it. I don't like the speaking of the families. But when you talk about the fight, you know, if you go back and watch Neil Magny's fight against Lorenz Larkin, I think Ian Gary did his homework and went and watched that fight. So I'm going to butcher this guy's legs and just break him down from the ground up. And he did it. I mean, he he really, really made it look pretty damn easy. And that's not that's not an easy task to do against Neil Magny. No. No, Neil has been in there with some of the scariest guys in the world and yeah. done well and, and has a knack for taking opportunities like this where somebody's got all this hype and Neil goes in there and teaches them, okay, well, they're – there's levels and there's time that you need to be in this game before you can go and do that kind of stuff. And Ian Gary, the striking is, is on point. The kicks were on point. I wish he'd have been a little bit more aggressive to try to get him out of there, especially yeah. with all of the talk that had been going on. But anyway, more on that later. I think we're going to get into, we're going to get into five rounds. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to preview TKZ and, uh, and Max. Let's go around. So then we're going to talk what's coming up next. we got Singapore coming up. And, Michael, we obviously got Paris coming up, too. More. Oh, Paris. Um, Paris but we'll great. wrap with that. We'll, we'll, we'll preview 
TKZ and Max Hollywood, which yeah. is going to be an unbelievable fight. And I can't wait. To, I'm leaving tomorrow for Singapore. So in taking a break to pack my bag. So let's go. go. Round one. Bring it up, Morgan. I don't even know what these are yet. I haven't looked at these yet. Me neither. I kind of like it that way. Yeah. What does Aljo's loss mean for Marab? This is a good question so far. Will we see him and Corey in a title eliminator match? Michael? Uh, here's my thoughts. I know Corey's hurt. He had surgery. He's on the mend. Yeah. It should be Marab. I mean, if you look at the win streak, the dominance, the only thing that's kind of muddied the water on that one is his relationship with Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, and if there's anybody that can place the, the UFC's smart, they're not going to put Marab in there with O'Malley. They're going to put Cheeto in there. Yeah, and this is no disrespect to Cheeto because Cheeto's my boy. He's a gangster. He beat him the first time, but I think that when it comes to matchups, I think, I think Aaron Bronsetter from TSN Sports or whatever they call it now in Canada. Shout out to Aaron Bronsetter. He put out a tweet showing all the odds of potential matchups for O'Malley versus all the contenders and the odds uh Marab was the only favorite so that speaks for itself I think that they do Cheeto and and Sean O'Malley because I think it's an easier matchup for him um I think the UFC has a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to the whole Marab Aljamain Sterling relationship them not fighting each other uh what are your thoughts Paul I, I I agree with you there I think that you know this is when when the when the boss Basically says you, listen, you sit around and you wait for these things and you try to be friends in this business. A lot of times you can end up getting screwed over and, and, you know, things move on without you. And I think this is a case where the stars aligned, where Cheeto and Sean have a history, right? Yeah. They don't like each other. They fought already. Cheeto won. Sean did his thing about it, right? And talked about it with Luke and all this kind of stuff. Calls him out that night. They both fight on that night. It works out perfectly for the oh, first defense of his belt. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity. Cheeto's not going to turn it down for a second. No. They're both great strikers. I'd love to see that. And then it's interesting. We're going to have to see what happens with, you're right, where does Aljamain go? How quickly does he bounce back and jump back in there? Who's he going to fight? What's next for him? How long is that going to take to get a matchup that he's, you know, into? Yeah. A lot of and that's to tough because he's beat everybody. There's no, yeah. there's nobody for him to fight. And I think that for Aljamain, in the moment, I don't think he's just ready to chomp at the bit for an immediate rematch. And it's not because he doesn't think he can beat Sean O'Malley. It's because the guy's been on a tough schedule. He fought Henry Cejudo and Sean O'Malley within 91 days. Like. Yeah. That's for training for five round fights that close. A fight, I think to, to put this in the context for all you fans watching, most fighters I know do 12 week camps for a five round fight, at the least a 10. So when you're talking about 91 days and you break that down, you could see how much time Aljamain Sterling had off between fights, which was next to nothing. So I think for him, it just depends. I think that they're going to want to turn him around and do Cheeto. And you know what? I think for Aljamain, he needs to call Hunter and the powers that be and say, you know what? Let him fight Cheeto, but I get whoever is next. I deserve an immediate title fight. I'm the greatest bantamweight of all time. Yeah. I had nine straight wins in the division. Nine straight wins. I am. I surpassed Dominic Cruz. 
Throw me a freaking bone. I deserve it. You guys had to force me into that fight in Boston, essentially, to my understanding. And I don't. I hate if I'm going to get flack for saying that, but that's just kind of what yeah, happened. Maybe, maybe he didn't want. He did. He didn't want to fight. He didn't want that fast turnaround. So I would go to them and say, "I did some for you. Now do some for me." And I'm going to tell Morgan, "You need to freaking do some for me." And let me see round two. <laughs> Question. Good. Do you That's see this TKO over Aljo going down into history as a Aldo versus McGregor type moment? If so, do you think this will catapult Sean in the same spotlight that Connor once was in? Uh, what do you think, Paul? I'll start because yeah. here's the thing I do think it's a similar moment. However, credit to Connor. When Connor did it, Jose was absolutely hands down one of the scariest, baddest, and best of all time in that division. Yeah. Aljo is for sure. Yeah. Not as scary though. And when he landed his left, he slept him badly. <laughs> down. Badly. Yeah. I remember to the day where I was, I was sitting in my mom's house with Christine and Ashling as a baby. And Ashley wow. was sleeping and we were trying to be quiet. And I watched that. And I was sitting on the floor leaning against the couch when he knocked out Aljo. Uh, Aldo. And I, I just, I didn't say anything. I just was like, oh my God. Whereas this one, I watched this right here on the other side of this couch here in my yeah. little man cave. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. But there's controversy, right? It, was it stopped a little early? Listen, yeah. I don't think like you, like you said earlier, Michael, I don't think anything was going to change, but I think it's a little watered down version of what McGregor had done. Yeah. I think the only parallels is it's Aldo Aljo. Like it's easy to yeah. names. and right hand, left hand, right? <laughs> it was the same punch. Yeah. It was essentially the same punch. From yeah. I remember where I was. I, I was at, I was at that event and my buddy, Jason Halligan was like, Hey, I got an extra seat on the floor. Come down and watch this fight. with me." So I bolted down on the floor. It was round five, five rows back. And I did the same thing. I was just like, Oh my God. Well, they yeah. all go, dude. That's like the guy's like the king of Rio. Like nobody can touch him. And the, and when you go back after the fight and see that 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 Aldo is training that left in the locker room, the step back, boom. I mean, dude, you want to talk about calling your shot? Don't get much better than that. No, don't get. But much better in terms of star power, it's just different. Connor was like the first guy he was the to break first guy. Yeah, he was the one man. He was yeah, the guy he was. And listen, we talk a lot of guy to break through, open a whiskey brand, have the boxing match. Like, there's so many moving parts that made Connor the superstar that he is today. And it all started with that knockout. It was from that knockout going forward that his whole life changed. And there's a reason that we say and we diss people when we say, man, you're just trying to be Connor. You're just trying to be McGregor. You're trying to be like, because it's, it was, it was him. It was uniquely him. He found, a way to be a trash talker, yeah. a way to be abrasive, but still intrigue just millions and millions of people oh. like nobody else had done. Listen, does he screw up? Is he not is maybe he favorite, our is he your favorite fighter? Time? Absolutely. <laughs> but is he the reason that people compare everything after him to him? It's like, yeah. listen, yeah, Sean. And, but Sean also recognizes that. Yeah. And, enjoys that he's being compared to that right because i think a lot of guys early on didn't want to be compared to him and now it's like they recognize 
if I'm being compared to things that Connor did in this sport in particular, I mean, dude, I, I, dare, I dare say it's like being compared to, oh, you're like, oh, you're trying to be like Ali. You're trying to be like this in boxing or you're trying yeah. to be like Floyd. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make that money, baby. Trying to make that money. Speaking of money, let's go round three. Woo! Nope. We'll, we'll delay that more. Oh, like house, okay. house cat. Michael, I want you to read house cat today. Only in steakhouses where the chef's specialty is veal have I seen such punishment to a cat <laughs> as, we, as we saw in the Ian Gary versus Magni fight. What's one fight where you feel your team game plan perfectly and describe the emotions of the plan working in the moment? Mm. I have one. Um, when I fought Jim Miller, this is actually really funny. So we didn't train, we didn't train leg locks the entire camp. No leg lock defense, no nothing, but we had a plan. And then the open workouts, we, we all did open workouts. And Jim was drilling like nonstop leg locks with whoever. I think it was his brother or something. He was up on the stage in front of everybody. And he was drilling a ton of leg locks, a lot of leg entanglements. And so during the shakeout, the day of the fight, me and my coach Rick Little were at the MGM. And you know how the MGM, how all the elevator hallways meet in like a center, you know? And there's like the three hallways. Yeah. So I'm doing my warm-up sprints for my shakeout in the hallway. And then he's like, put sweats on. We're rolling on the carpet. And we drilled leg lock defense for like a half an hour on the carpet. Like just like going over each position we thought we were going to be in. And like that night, that's what led to him losing was he kept rolling for the leg locks. And I finally rolled out of one. Got my back, feet in the right position and just started cracking him and got the rear naked choke. But that game plan was set like hours before the fight. We're like, hey, we got to go over these leg locks last minute, just like a last minute thing. And it panned out really well. Uh, that That's awesome. I remember that fight. I remember uh, – where was that fight? That was MGM? It was the Cosmo. It was at the Cosmo, the Chelsea. Oh. It's the Cosmo. I, I don't know if I was watching that on TV or if I was in, in, in-house for that one. But for me, man, I think I have to go – all the way back to to Danny Castillo, and even before I was working with Duke and those guys, Duke was one too. But th- that that fight with Danny, we worked those check knees, those little knees, and leg kicks, and 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 all that stuff that worked. And I couldn't spar that much. I had, I had hurt my shoulder and my yeah. collarbone really bad snowboarding with Calvary. <laughs> Dude, every knee I threw, pump faked him. And another one was with. The first fight I worked with Duke when I went and fought in Halifax against Alessandro Ricci, who yeah. I talk to all the time now. I actually talked to that guy. He's really on cycling and all this kind of stuff. Cool. But we worked that check elbow because we watched him working with Team Mayweather and a bunch of guys in Vegas. And everything I saw him working was this big step in jab. He was trying to get his boxing right. Mm-hmm. Big step in jabs, jabs. And I remember yeah, talking yeah. to me and Duke talking about it. And I was like, dude. He's stepping so hard with that jab. If we just – and Duke's like, let's just work on meeting him. And everything we were doing was working on just crushing wow. him. Wow. And, dude, I smashed his nose with, with that shot. Oh. Was so, that was that because you fought Halifax twice? Or was that just one? That was the second time, yeah. Was yeah, the second, the second time. time I was there, that's when Sam fought Gavin Tucker. I seen Yeah, it. I, seen that. Oh, I seen it with my own eyes, baby. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, he's got you thinking about it again. Ah, yeah, he's thinking about that. Oh, that cold turn into an ember. 
<laughs> now that our homeboy Brad Catone, I don't know, is he is he my homeboy? Now that our know. homeboy Brad Catone is the tough, toughest of them all. Oh, nice. Again, who do you see him fighting next in the rankings? Uh Allen in Manitoba. Okay. Well, that was one of my favorite fights on the card to be completely. Oh fair. God, that was a great fight. Great fight, great momentum shift. Oh, so good early. Yeah. But Brad, you that dude is and for being a smart, really smart whip of a guy and a, a professional outside of the UFC when it came to what he did before fighting, that dude is tough as nails. Yeah. Yeah, I uh oh, for one, I'm stoked that the fans clamored for it. Dana delivered. Cody Gibson gets a UFC contract as he deserves. Yeah. I mean, to, to 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 have a fight like that to win yeah. fight of the night. It, it truly was 292, the yeah. night where there's like these mega fights, dude. To get fight of the night in it's the tough big, finale, big. like I'm glad that Cody and he's like a PE teacher, history teacher, something like that. So yeah. good on him to get a contract for Brad. Mr. You know, was it Allen from Manitoba? I forget what his name was. Something Morgan, like you have to correct me there. Well, yes, yeah. Allen from Manitoba. Let me tell you something. Brad Katona is damn good, but he's a 135-pounder. He is a bantamweight. And yeah. so for his first fight in the UFC, do you mean you want to see him fight someone like Umar or Megamedov? Or do you want to see him fight somebody like Rob Font? Down. I think it's a good idea. That we just slow the roll, and I have I have I already have an idea for you. He's the double tough champ. Why don't we put him in there with uh, what's his name, Ricky from Brady season? Ricky Tercios, perfect fight for him. Tough champ versus tough champ. Not the number next to his name, Alan, but nonetheless, that's a marquee fight. And I myself know it's always fun training for a guy that's one of the ultimate fighters. Well, it gives you a little extra in training camp. So I would like to see Brad Katona. Versus Ricky Tercios. That's the fight to make. What season was Tercios from? Twenty nine. He he he. Him and my teammate Brady fought the finals. That's right. I remember. I called yeah. that one. Call that good one. Good fight. I like that. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he just want got back in. Let let the man slowly build himself back up. Yeah. Especially after winning some money, you were exciting. But man, I'm glad the other Cody got signed too because that was Dude. that truly was our since since. You know, the ultimate fighter conception we had, Stefan and, and Forrest, that's probably pretty much the closest to that back and forth barn burner type fight that we've had since since it started. I can't think of another one, you know, but there's been so many finales. So I could be some fans right yeah, just some fans gonna butcher the hell of us online, like, oh, what about this one? You know, but there's hey, look, for me, recent memory. Those dudes let it all hang out. That was as good of a fight as you're going to see is high level. And, yeah, it did have shades of Griffin Bonner. That's a big it's a big compliment yeah. to those guys. 100%. What do you round got, five? Morgan, round, round five? Championship rounds? What do you got? Okay. All right. Here we go. I knew it. Something's coming. Final can only count from none other than Ben the Bane Davis and lost B-more. If the cannoli show is flat, and you put the filling between the two of them, would you now call that a sandwich or a cannoli? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm salivating. Paul. Questions. Paul, I ate five cannolis in 24 hours. Is that five cannoli question? They're like this, dude. They're massive. And they're girthy. And they're <laughs> – The final cannoli count, Ben the Bane Davis – 
<laughs> I feel ashamed. Five? Saying this. Was it five? Well, it was five and 24 hours, but I had one after the show in my room. <laughs> I had a leftover one. I was like, I can't let it go to waste. So I had like six cannolis in like a 30-hour stretch. So you know what? Yeah, I'm going up to light heavyweight. I'm going to go fight, uh, you know. I'm moving But the sandwich question's great because, Paul, I got to tell you about this cannoli I had. It was like, you know how it's usually like a dough, like a, the regular kind of dough? It's kind of bubbly, you know? Yeah. I had this cannoli from Mike's Bakery where it was like a pressed, really thin, flat cookie. Ooh. And they rolled it. And then it was like a cookie tube. <laughs> And then it had the filling, and it was, <laughs> dude, it was next level. Like Michael, I could feel. <laughs> Michael, I have a question. Yeah. We've got we've got UFC Roundup. Yeah. When are we starting our UFC cooking show? Yeah, right? come on. We do this on the road. You know where it starts? It starts in Paris, Michael. In Paris. It starts in Paris. It starts in Paris. We take our phones and we yes. do our own little videos and yes. we get a show together where we Ooh. tour Paris as oh Paris, Paris. Yes, listen. you know it would be a sandwich if you took the two cannoli shells, you sandwich them no with cream in the middle. It's a cannoli sandwich. The cannoli sandwich. Therefore, it's a sandwich. I'm changing my nickname. I'm Mike the Cannoli Chiesa. Listen. Maverick's gone. It's appropriate. I think it's only appropriate. TKZ, Max Holloway. We'll do it quick. Yeah. I don't know if TKZ is going to go and get the W. Yeah. But I know that he's going to bring the pain. And I know Max is one of the funnest fighters on earth to watch. Yeah. And I also love that this is almost a respect thing for Holloway, right? Yeah. He also believes TKZ is one of the biggest stars of the featherweight division and somebody he has not faced yet. And they mutually agreed on this fight. Max is about as good as you can be without being the champion right now in this division. But now he's thinking, you know what? I lost to the champion too many times. I got to do other things. I got to collect other scalps. And yeah. one of them is Korean zombie. And I absolutely love that about what Max Holloway is doing in this main event. And I can't wait to go call. It. You know, and there's, too there's a lot of people that are probably jumping out and saying well they're throwing max a sacrificial lamb and one of the most fan favorite fighters of all time for people that don't know that are watching this show tkz asked for this fight he yeah. wanted his last fight to be against max holloway yeah what a testament to what a badass he is because i know plenty of fighters that are on their way out they know what it's their last fight and they said hey sean just just give me a good one. Give me a yeah. good one to go out on. No, you know what the Korean zombie wants? He wants one of the best featherweights of all time. So kudos to him. I think it's going to be fun. Um, and I'll probably still be awake from Dave Matthews watching it. <laughs> he might look like a zombie to you at that point, Michael. Anyway, listen, this was UFC Roundup. We've got TKZ, Max Holloway this weekend. Two, that's our best Nate Diaz. Yeah, what's up? Now, me and Michael are in Paris, and guys, we promise you, the fans, yes, that me and Kiesa and Roundup are coming to you live yeah. a few times at least from Paris okay? with sandwiches and baguettes. Get your baguettes ready, get yep. your croissants ready, and have your espressos 
Get your red wine. We're going to party. Let's go.